to some extent it was self inflicted actually because i mean all through my school and college life i have actually stammered like hell and it was very very it was very very difficult to even put forward my point of view leave alone trying to read a passage from a book between the agency and client side i would anyway go back to an agency because the kind of uh, fun and excitement that you have on a roster of clients is far better in an agency side than a client side Flipkart didn't feel like a digital startup at all. It felt like a consumer company. Wow! They okay. were extreme. I mean, I mean, it's almost like Amazon. They are razor sharp, focused on consumer. How to make consumers happy? How to get things easy to consumers? That's how things have changed. Brands have their own voice. They have discovered their own voice, and they're talking on their own. Media's pull is slightly lesser compared to what it used to be back in the 2010s and mid 2000s kind of stuff. but they all coexist now in this big hotspot called social media easiest way to explain personal branding is a quote from jeff bezos he said personal branding is what people say about you when you leave the room hello everybody welcome to yet another episode of recast i have a very interesting guest today joining me his name is karthik shrinivasan I mean he's a communication consultant but has had a very illustrious career and he's been just at the right job at the right time especially I think I think one of his sort of career stints you know was at Ogilvy where I think he was heading the social media space you know the whole digital space so I'm quite excited to actually run this session with him and I think for about next 30 to 40 minutes we will have a wide ranging conversation around his past experiences and you know what he's doing currently which is also something very very exciting Welcome to my show Karthik. Hi Saurabh, great to be here in this podcast. So I think Karthik let's just begin and you know let's dive into this by and I think let me just begin this by asking you a very straightforward question. We all know that you know the communication space has expanded and now I think to an extent is also exploding. And I think you've been in different kinds of communication roles sort of throughout your career I think right from joining a corporate communications department to then being a part of the Marcoms and then you know sort of shifting over to the whole digital space and now working on you know the personal branding space so if you can just help us sort of walk through your journey how these different communication roles sort of you know helped you shape up and you know sort of start your own venture absolutely so i would probably need to go way back to actually even explain how did i even get into communications because not many college graduates or pg graduates conscious i mean at least back when i started this was late 90s early 2000s they don't consciously think that i will join the corporate communication team of a company that's not the india that we know of i mean usually it's engineering management mba those are the kind of stuff so to some extent it was self inflicted actually because i mean all through my school and college life i have actually stammered like hell and it was very very it was very very difficult to even put forward my point of view leave alone trying to read a passage from a book in front of the class i would probably melt and probably fall down in fact i've even cried in the classes when i'm asked to speak in front of the class i used to stammer a lot and i mean my parents tried a lot of stuff which was physical kind of intervention saying go to the doctor and there are some various therapies like you're supposed to eat i mean not eat you're supposed to have pebbles in your mouth for some reason i have no yeah exactly very weird stuff exactly i mean i've tried all that nonsense nothing worked but then when there was chance that i mean it just appeared that life seemed to be throwing an interesting option at me saying 
pick this career that will make you most uncomfortable in for, for the rest of your life because of your past i thought okay let's let's try this i mean you communicate for a living after crying for people asking you to communicate in the class so i did that and corpcom was a very interesting choice and i'm thankful that i picked the choice uh, in hindsight of course because earlier it was quite scary but that's when i started um actually corpcom is a good place to start most people who come into communications usually start with the agency side of things either an ad agency as an intern or a pr agency as an intern and then move to the client side it's always seen as a upscale kind of moment you start in an agency and then you go to the client you become the boss of the agency and all those nuances play into the mind but i was in the client side for the longest time at least for 6 or 7 years of my career and then moved to the agency side and i was quite worried saying am i do- taking the wrong turn in life by booming back to the agency but it was a fantastic fantastic shift actually and it was very needed for me because i never had that agency view of things of handling multiple clients and multiple communication frameworks at the same time because in a client side you just look at your own work your own client your own communications and your own audiences and you then the whole world expands in an agency side so it was fantastic actually so that helped me do it and after the initial 2 years of conventional pr which is what we call as media relations generally because this was mid 2000s media relations and since it was 2007 2008 that was the early days of social media and digital media in that period because linkedin was very very early it started in 2002 and it was always in the background but facebook and twitter opened only in 2006 to the public and in 2007 and 8 it was very early stages both in both worldwide and uh, in india at the time and in my agency back then i had actually put together some rudimentary ways of not looking at media relations alone but also social media communications for clients which was completely completely new and a couple of clients like lenovo were very very i mean like slightly more ambitious and adventurous to actually pay our agency to do something like that and we were very excited to do something around that i mean it was basically very simple i mean if i explain that now you would just laugh saying this is what you did but this was in 2007 it was literally the fact that we observed as a team that people were asking what kind of computer should i buy this is my requirement i have got a child at home i am a gamer what kind of computer should i buy we used to ask that question in the offline space to peers colleagues and friends and family and people used to offer us suggestions now people were asking that on facebook and twitter and we found out that no brand is joining this conversations and these questions are being asked how about we get our client to answer these questions in a very neutral third partyish manner without trying to shill only your brand but just say if you are looking at a gaming laptop or a gaming all in one pc in your home maybe suggest this from lenovo this is a good piece you can try it blah blah etc and that's what we tried so that worked very well yeah i think that's very interesting for me and i will interrupt you here because i think i don't want to lose this moment which is very very exciting i think you used the word that you know you had put something very rudimentary together and i think the way you explained it it looked like that you know now we'll call that as a social listening exercise where we are actually trying to analyze all the chatter that happens on digital channels what kind of rudimentary setup you had can you give us more details on that because i think that's fascinating <laughs> it was completely completely rudimentary because there were no tools available back in late 2000s and now you have 
phenomenal salesforce level tools for social listening industrial social listening you can listen to anything you want but back then we literally had three tabs in a browser again and again refresh 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 somebody talking and keyword search on each platform on twitter on facebook keyword search keyword search we probably didn't catch all the kind of questions that are apt for our exercise we probably caught only a few but that actually kept us busy all through the day because that itself is about about 10 or 20 for a day and we planned the answers and give it to the client saying can we frame it like this can we make it like this and then post it and just remember it was not just social media platforms alone it was always a lot of bulletin boards and online networking so i mean what we called as message boards there used to be a lot of message boards back then now there are no message boards or probably there are very niche message boards like hacker news kind of message boards which is still existing but they probably are very very niche or even like a reddit kind of message board back then there were random message boards that had very specific topic related focus basically i mean for instance tech had a lot of message boards i mean which internet modem should i buy or which internet connection between bsnl and vsnl what should we buy what are the methods of buying how many beeps should we let it ring till it connects and all the random things used to happen so those are also what we checked and we used to respond from the brand handle and when i thought this was going well and this needs to be scaled up for other clients i had actually wanted to make create it as a separate what do you call i mean like a practice within the agency but the agency that i was in was not very keen on doing that because their main focus was on media relations which is still very very important basically so i actually took an opportunity to join edelman which was looking at an india head of digital specifically not media relations but digital so that seemed like an appropriate thing and then i just scaled up the whole thing in a much larger way for a many many more clients like blackberry chevrolet and lot of other clients that were i think riglis was one quite a few clients back then this was all 2008 to 2010 11 where we were literally scratching the surface of what is happening right now in a much much larger scale and then when i wanted to expand things there was an interesting opportunity from the client side again i mean i was in the client side and the client had called me flipkart called me at the time which it was not a hot unicorn startup at the time it was still a fairly small not many employees either kind of stuff it was smallish but it was a very exciting space and it was in the e-commerce space which was just starting to explode so i thought i'll explore that then from flipkart to ogilvy and then it kept moving on when you went to edelman uh, how was the whole interview process i mean what was the job description back then around this digital head and you know how was the interview who was interviewing you and you know how did you respond in that interview room i think that will be very very interesting for us to know If I remember it, the interview happened in Park Hotel in Bangalore. It didn't happen in Edelman office in Bangalore at all. So I believe they were looking for an office, or they had a fairly small office. So they probably didn't want me to expose to that office if I don't think much of them because they were not known in India at the time. At the time, yeah. They, I mean, at the time, they were fairly new. They had made an acquisition and joined India at the time, so it was fairly new, basically. But I think it was Rob Holdham who who interviewed me. He was an India head at the time. He was an APAC head at the time. It was very interesting. And there were a couple of other account directors from Middleman who were also in the same Park Hotel. I mean, we were literally sitting poolside. and uh, that was the interview process uh, it was fairly it was almost like a blank slate you yeah, i imagined that <laughs> yeah he literally said 
I have heard about what you are doing at Text Hundred now with some of the digital and social clients. I said, "Oh wow, he has heard about it. I didn't know how he heard about it. Probably say, I mean, it's a, it's a agency circle which keeps talking about what's happening in things. And I just want you to do the same thing for a lot more clients in Edelman. Just pick more clients or pick existing clients to do it. So that was very exciting because it's just scaling up what we are trying to do here in a more structured manner. More, I mean, like more people, more clients, more team kind of stuff." Oh, that was an easy one for you to crack. That it was just do what you're exactly doing right now and just do but it on at a bigger scale. scale. Exactly, <laughs> that sounded very good, actually. Yeah, great, lovely. So I think when you moved, uh, you know, to Flipkart, because I think you've been on the agency side in the Marcoms, Copcoms team, and then I think you moved to agency again at Edelman, and then again going back to sort of a tech startup back then. You know, where I think Flipkart sort of wasn't this billion-dollar company, and I think from there. I think you again moved back to agencies. I think you've sort of flipped from agency to client, client to agency quite a few times, and I think the digital has been sort of the undercurrent. So just help us explain those shifts and moves, and you know how each of those moves sort of you know really helped you. Because I think what you were doing from an agency perspective, the moment you would have landed in Flipkart, everything was digital, right? And I think the lingo, the grammar, the vocabulary that was used on the office floor would have been very different. You were probably surrounded by tech engineers. Actually, no more digital marketing strategists. So help us understand that experience as well. To be fair and to be sure, Flipkart didn't feel like a digital startup at all. It felt like a consumer company. Wow! They okay. were extreme. I mean, I mean, it's almost like Amazon. They are razor sharp focused on consumer. How to make consumers happy? How to get things easy to consumers? And the tech people used to sit quite differently. They are the ones who are tinkering with the tech part of it. I used to largely deal with the consumer-focused teams, basically. I mean, there were. so many managers for each of the categories and it almost felt like i was in hul or i mean a company like itc can also because they were just focus on the market focus on consumers what do consumers want how do we make them happy how do we handle consumer uh, connect in terms of pre purchase or post purchase that was all the focus so it felt like a fmcg company for all practical purposes and that's a good focus to have for an e-commerce company not mm-hmm. think of themselves as a technology company but as a consumer focused e-commerce i mean which was the main mantra for amazon success be the most most consumer friendly company in the world that's their success so that's exactly what flipkart also was looking at and to be also fair it didn't feel like a digital communication work it was good old communication across a 360 degree kind of media it was media relations it was digital communications it was trying to do something on social media in a more exciting manner i mean how to create that flipkart attitude and flipkart brand at least when they were starting out they had a phenomenal attitude that was there and how to carry it forward was what we are looking at it's almost like we need to pause our individual attitudes and framework and thinking process and car one as a flipkart as a human and what will she or he say how will she say he say that's what we were looking at so that was very exciting but again as i said it was one client one focus one framing that's what it was i mean again uh, between the agency and client side i would anyway go back to an agency because the kind of uh, fun and excitement that you have on a roster of clients is far better in an agency side than a client side so are you saying that digital is a width game not a depth game it depends from people to people for instance if in an agency you enjoy team work and team management that is team management and you manage individuals and etc you might suit both in the client side and agency side you would be perfectly fine if you think of yourself as a more like an individual contributor 
you are better off looking at an agency that values individual contributors because clients generally value individual contributors and small team at least in the comms side of things not necessarily in other categories but at least in the comms side but in an agency generally they always want large team team managers for large teams and etc but if an agency values individual contributors strongly that would be a very good option to just expand your mind expand your creativity expand your thought process it it really works that way Uh, so in, in like 2007 you know you were with edelman and then in 2015 i suppose you joined you know the digital or the social at ogilvy right now i think there's almost an 8 year gap but i think the world had changed you know actually by the time you moved from one agency to the other so what were the marked differences that's question number 1 and then i think how's the life of a digital or a social marketer within an agency in 2015 so just help us understand that a bit more absolutely so i have stopped looking at the communications function as saying this is advertising this is television this is offload i mean this is offline billboard outdoor digital facebook and it's just communications these are just media you just use various media to propagate your message to very specific audiences or broad based audiences things have changed dramatically because earlier when you do media relation there was some sanctity in that conversation with a media person now that media person reaches out to you because you have said something in public or your brand has said something in public and they want to they want to talk more about that or they want to have a conversation about that or they want to have a clarification about that so it is less push and more pull right now because you as a brand can have your own say now nobody can stop you i mean the fact is that you are not dependent on a media vehicle to tell you a story you can tell your own story there are very good examples of it being done on scale for instance flipkart story is a good example that was done by people who joined after me they actually created something called flipkart stories they literally put out stories that may not be picked up by mainstream media because mainstream media will say i would write this as an i would write this as an industry story with more brands or this is not interesting enough this is not a human interest story whatever it is so they said okay forget it forget i mean i don't want it to be featured in media i'll put it in my own media because you have a website you put it yourself and then media comes and asking hey i read that instance of that person with your organization doing something interesting can i can i take that and put it as part of an industry story that i'm writing of course please do that so it's almost like a pull communication has become instead of a push brands have their own voice and brands have discovered that they have their own voice it doesn't mean they can ignore mainstream media i mean mainstream media is still very credible and powerful but brands also have their own voice even though it's not as credible as mainstream media because that's third party this is first party that's the big change which means that brands need to be extra focused on how to tell their stories earlier if a cxo is doing an interview with a mainstream media that's when we coach that cxo now we need to coach them even before they can put out a tweet you need to think at least like a chess player looking at three to four moves in advance and say are these words right is this sentence formation right is this framing right how can it be misconstrued by the most cynical person who hates your company and then plan your way accordingly in terms of how to phrase it how to frame it everything you need to look at that uh, if you don't do that things can go completely haywire if you do that you are slightly more safer but chances are that it's a 50 50 so you avoid the 50 50 chance and then make it slightly more safer for people to do it so that's how things have changed brands have their own voice they have discovered their own voice and they're talking on their own media's pull is slightly lesser compared to what it used to be back in the 2010s and mid 2000s kind of stuff 
but they all coexist now in this big hodgepodge called social media where any and every voice could have the value that they want or the world will give them depending on how good the content itself is or how meaty the content itself is that's the big change actually so what's what's a typical structure within you know like a digital marketing department of an agency how has that structure evolved and what are the different pieces that sort of come together you know to make that department successful just give us a peek into an agency because i think that will be pretty interesting for our audience you know to learn and know got it then i probably need to give you the context of when i started in edelman as head of digital we didn't even have creative people yeah i mean because it's a pr agency and pr agencies are not known to have creative people at all ad agencies are known to have creative people pr agency has writers people who write and thinkers kind of stuff so when we didn't have a creative team it was very difficult to put creative stuff online because it's a creative medium online is a creative medium we can't use text alone but now it's the default you need to have an as good a creative team as any advertising agency because you're trying to create pieces of interesting art and work and videos and etc for the social media platforms so the basic structure is there are two basic teams that actually think of two different things one is a planning team which is very important which is a brain of the organization or the agency this actually puts together strategy looks at competing brands looks at the industry itself and who does what what is our audience want what does the product has to say absolutely if there are 10 things which are the priority they actually put together and then they brief the creative team saying here is the brief that we have here is a context here is a background here is the research now we need some very smart creative intelligent creative ideas and the creative team needs to work on different platforms constraints for instance instagram as a constraint of visual first people see the visual first and then if necessary read the text i mean they could care not for the text at all look at the instrument and there are some size constraints for instagram uh youtube is very different you can put long videos there and people tend to spend more time on longer videos on youtube vis-a-vis facebook or linkedin or twitter where the timeline is what matters because youtube does not have a timeline so people go there with a the mindset of spending 10 minutes or more it's okay kind of stuff but on facebook twitter and linkedin it is a fast consumption kind of media because it's a timeline you just keep scrolling up and up so the videos need to be shorter so largely it is a planning team which is a brain and a creative team which which actually works with the clay that the creative i mean the planning team gives and then you create it into interesting methods everything else falls between the cracks like client service the people who manage things finance and etc they are the support system of course client service is very important because you need somebody to talk between but these are yeah but but these are the most important parts of an agency yeah okay okay and i think you've sort of marketed organizations then i think once you move to the agency then you have marketed brands as even for their products and for their services and then i think in your recent avatar i think now you've moved on to helping executives and c suites on personal branding so i think moving from products and services to people help us understand that kind of shift and what is personal branding why is it important in you know today's age The easiest way to explain personal branding is a quote from Jeff Bezos. He said, "Personal branding is what people say about you when you leave the room." So that's as simple as it. I mean, you are in a room with ten people. You are talking. You are talking to them, and then when you leave the room, whatever they say about you behind your back, that's personal branding. Whatever sticks behind that. So it's just the memorability. I mean, if you're memorability, memorable? or at least the yeah, actually, you can say that. I mean. are people remembering you within a certain context or are people saying that he works in edelman 
because that's just your income earning capability that's not your mark of who you are as an individual at all but if they say he is that person who was behind that campaign is a very creative person then it's about you and then probably about your edelman or whichever company that you works on etc so the reason why i moved to that is is fairly obvious because anyone and everyone is active online these days when i say active you may be posting maybe once or twice a day or maybe once or twice a week but we have a plethora of channels and you keep posting and sharing your views and opinions and perspectives on all those platforms linkedin twitter snapchat instagram facebook you name it we keep talking there also the biggest difference between earlier when there was no social media and now when there is social media is that earlier we used to speak to people we know whether it's whether it's clients or peers or neighbors or family extended family neighbors whatever it is we largely used to share our innermost thoughts or perspectives with people we know so that was the earlier part because then there was no social media now in social media we talk to people we know of course that is through social networking which is not social media like say it's a dm on twitter or a dm or a facebook messenger or whatsapp kind of platform that is social networking you talk to people you know but on social media we talk also to strangers now these strangers form an opinion about us based just literally on our bio on those platforms and whatever we say then and there a tweet here a facebook post there or a linkedin post there or a video on snapchat wherever it is and they form an opinion about us based on those content it may or may not reflect who we are as individuals at all but most people don't think about it because when they are sharing something on a phone or a laptop they don't see 200 people in front of them they are alone in their room and they share something and then they completely don't get the magnitude of the fact that whatever you say online could be potentially read by the entire world not just the 200 people who follow you or 4000 people who follow you but by the entire world things could just move from one circle to another circle it could be seen by the entire world and many people have made phenomenal blunders in this case and burnt their careers and it has happened and we all know those examples of course so my idea was to help people not become superstars on social media because that's a very different influencer game but just define what you want to stand for based on your own personality and then build that over a period of time so that when people see your online footprint they are able to get a cohesive view of who is this person beyond just looking at linkedin saying oh he works in infosys he is an infosys project manager which is again an income earning capability it does not define who that individual is it has to be something like he works in infosys project manager is in, is interested in home gardening he likes science fiction and he and he likes watching ndtv now we are getting somewhere closer as an individual i mean it can be a lot more interesting i mean things like gardening and science fiction and pendy tv is vanilla level information about a person it could be any other person but you could make it more interesting carve it differently that's what i'm looking at so i think when you were at an agency i think you shared that example that you know there's a planning team that's the brain and then there is a creative team that really puts those ideas into practice and hence i think you know brands have got that kind of ecosystem to you know constantly communicate on social media but i think the moment you talk about a personal brand do i have to be the brain and do i have to be the executor Absolutely. or actually do you think that there are now services available where you know people can actually get like a planner and a, and and actually a creative executor to help amplify you know your brand on social media so let's look at it this way if you are a professional like a cxo because i work a lot with professional cxos in organizations when i do the workshops for their personal branding basics and the brand definition etc they generally come from the point of you saying i am not going to do it hands on 
there is an internal comms team there is a pr agency that i have hired and there is a corporate communications team hr team somebody will take care of it i just need to give them instructions and they will do it i have seen over a period of time that it doesn't work at all if you don't take charge of your own personal brand nobody would be as 100% interested in it as you it's your personal brand in fact uh, i have to say this quite a few teams that interact with me first before getting me on a workshop if it happens to be the hr team they usually have this kind of a problem they say that uh, these are the people that we want as participants in this workshop on personal branding they are 45 to 50 plus they may need to be let go eventually because of the age related issues and we want to aid them build their personal brand before they i mean it it sounds very horrible but that's the truth i mean i have heard this from hr teams time and again actually which is quite unfortunate but that's the harsh truth that we are living through but at least hr team is trying to aid them to build their personal brand so that when they go on their own like a consultant or a freelancer they have something to bank on as a personal brand because of which they might get work it's not as if their existing clients would give them work complete strangers need to buy their services basically and for that they will look at a profile on linkedin just like how we look up the kind of reviews a product get on amazon or flipkart and then decide to buy a completely strange product based on strangers reviews that's how people would choose people when they want to look at freelancers and consultants so that's largely the context and in that case it's better that you handle it yourself i try to explain that obviously it's it's going to take time but over time you would get better at it you don't need to be creative like an ogilvy like agency but you need to be as good a brain like ogilvy because it's your own brand at stake if you don't take care of it nobody else will so you need to think consciously it all starts with the brand definition what do you want people to know you for know you about can you live up to that knowledge i mean can you actually demonstrate that or or is it just an aspiration i mean for instance if i want to be known as phenomenally creative and i've got nothing to do to showcase for it people won't see through people will see through that saying come on he's just talking he's not doing anything at all so we need to look at those kind of balances and then work towards that way but it has to be hands on i think when i've spoken to people i think the one big reservation that they have of you know putting themselves out there is i think they are quite scared that if they would go down you know the self bragging route that i i i and i think some people are just not very comfortable doing that so i think what's your message for people who actually think on those lines that you know the moment i put an opinion you know the moment i share my own thoughts a i think i am i'm more exposed just in terms of what i think and you know how i think and how i write and how i speak but at the same time i think you know they're also sort of quite conscious that we just don't want to go down you know the self bragging route So how do you balance that out So the self bragging I've heard time and time and again it's probably because of the Bhagavad Gita which said do your duty and don't expect rewards and etc and we have been ingrained into it for many many years and that's probably what comes out basically saying oh I'm not going to talk about my work others should talk about my work I can't do that myself unfortunately you also need to talk about your work because the others are talking about their own work not about your work everybody is for themselves you need to fend for yourself basically and that's what platforms allow you to do it where i help cxos bridge that the kind of the, i mean if they think that i am bragging am i bragging how do i do better is framing framing is very important suppose if you have won an award you can say i am so happy that i won an award or i am i am honored that i won an award or you could even make that seem useful to your readers instead of trying to focus uh, the frame is not i won an award i won an award is outside the frame 
you put that frame saying here is something useful to people within the context of the kind of award that i want for instance if i want an award for communications and it is for one particular client i talk more about the client what did happen and what kind of lessons that people can learn hey by the way i actually won an award for this which makes the whole thing completely inverse because people start with an award and then may or may not talk about what is useful to people my usual thumb rule in framing is make your content useful to the largest number of audience that you have rest will follow if it's useful people will probably forget that you have actually won an award or they will be completely okay that you're saying you won an award which is not the point at all because it's useful to them if it's useful things change completely in the piece of content I've been through your LinkedIn profile. I think you won a lot of awards. I think social MVs in in like two two thousand fifteen. How would you explain that if you are the center of subject and you know it's your personal brand that is now going out? How would you communicate that to your network, your audience? I mean, I would extensively talk about why that award came to me in the first place. I mean, not me. It was a, it was actually teamwork basically. But what went into that campaign and what kind of nuances that we did, what kind of data that we work on, which client it was, what was the result? That's what we will talk about, and that is far more exciting than just one person going and picking that award from the stage. That is hardly interesting to people. That's interesting to me, my family, and my mother and father. That's about it, and probably my pet. That's about it. Nobody else cares about that award at all. People are interested in saying, "What is it that we can learn? Is there something useful from this whole framework that he's talking about?" Focus on the framework. Focus on the usefulness of your content. Award is incidental, quite literally. That's just you. I think you've mentioned this quite a few times. I think you you sort of actually mentioned a few social media channels, right? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and I think there are many more now. Even our chat messengers, right? Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp. These are all different kinds of channels that are available. for you to broadcast or you know to share your views opinions and put your personal brand out how do you look at this whole landscape because i think i can draw a lot of parallels between offline and online media i think what tv used to be for offline i would say probably it's facebook these days because i think it has those billion users it has that scale that you know tv used to offer us right whereas i think something like billboards i think which was more targeted for a particular geography or a you know actually for a particular segment you know i would classify linkedin is as more of an equivalent to that whereas i think print is like more like twitter where it's all about headlines so just help our audience understand what kind of channels or you know what's the selection strategy that they should follow is there a framework that they can follow to choose a channel you know when they are trying to build their personal brand because i think say for example you know this particular podcast would go on like three or four different channels some people would hear the audio some people would hear the video will actually watch the video but i think the biggest success that i've had is on facebook which is a very <laughs> unusual place because i'm actually talking yeah. about hardcore business content but still people you know who are connected with me on facebook sort of tend to engage with that content more and i think that's the kind of puzzle that i i've not been able to solve in my head that you know how these different channels sort of play a role in helping the message to reach out to maximum number of people i wouldn't draw a linear line between mainstream media channels and social media platforms like saying billboard is this or tv is this because i was just sort of using that more for an analogy I yeah i understand because people do that very often which makes a lot of sense for instance billboard could be the stories feature in instagram and linkedin i mean these days you got a stories in everything you got instagram snapchat linkedin twitter everything has got facebook everything has got stories because in a billboard you actually pass by it and see it quickly for a few seconds and you forget all about it stories is something like which lives for 24 hours and then moves so i look at it at a more fundamental level 
for instance linkedin is a office corridor network basically i mean in the office corridors whatever you talk that is the equivalent of a linkedin and linkedin is probably the only platform that has some implicit rules inside people's head saying uh, politics no no not on linkedin uh, fun entertainment content no not on linkedin because it's not professional content but i know of rjs who actually share their i mean like audio interviews with big stars on linkedin and then i've asked them saying why do you do that and there are half a dozen comments saying no don't do this this is facebook material don't share it on linkedin and i've asked them and they said i get work from corporate clients based on the voice that i've actually showcased and corporate clients and corporate agencies that is event marketing agencies are looking for good voices to host their company events and they look for it they don't go to a facebook to look for voices they look at linkedin to say professional rjs voice over artists and they look at it and they look at an example and they get it so it works for instance a football coach would talk about football strategy on linkedin it's perfectly fine a professional politician would talk about his or her work on linkedin perfectly fine it's when people who are not related to the profession talk about it it sounds a bit jarring but it's generally what works for you literally I mean, you can't put a gun to their head saying no you can't talk about this because there are no rules like that so that's linkedin office professional corridor every other platform whether it's facebook or twitter or instagram and etc every other platform is like you standing in the middle of the road and shouting to random people at, at just anything and everything quite literally that's the truth that's how it works quite literally within that there are some nuances like instagram you are probably standing outside a college and shouting because the age group is much 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 lesser twitter you are probably standing outside a road which has got a lot of media organizations and shouting which makes a lot of sense facebook you are just standing in your neighborhood and shouting outside the road quite literally that's literally how i think of it at a very very broad level so from my own workshops on personal branding i strongly recommend linkedin as number one Twitter as a second line strategy. I mean, I understand that most people think Twitter is one cesspool of terrible content and etc. But Twitter still matters. I mean, LinkedIn matters number one because it's reasonably saner platform and people generally stick to serious professional work related topics largely. Even though people are trying to push that limit into Facebookish content or LinkedIn, but it's okay. It's up to them. Whatever works. That's LinkedIn. Twitter makes a lot of sense because of two important reasons. One. media professionals are highly tuned into twitter where they look for new specs what can i write about who are the key influencers who are talking about the content that i want to write about let me reach out to them for a voice bite so that it really matters from a personal branding point of view because you get an amplification channel in media and media is looking at twitter so that's number one number two interestingly twitter is the only platform which has got also got google's blessing For instance when you are logged into Twitter on a tab and you search Google for keywords you actually get individual tweets in the search results in Google no other platform gets you individual results of posts for instance on Facebook and LinkedIn you get profile level results not post level results that's a big difference on Twitter you get individual tweet level results so it's almost like you got Twitter's x audiences that is x million people who use Twitter plus it's xy million people who use google search which is a very very large number last so that helps twitter become a good amplification channel along with linkedin so these two channels i would highly recommend yeah i think concepts like personal branding i think are pretty new but i think they i think once you think back it just seems like that you know it was so obvious you know for this to happen so now if you have a crystal ball how is this whole communication space going to evolve change I think in next five to ten years, what's your take? Um, I think it's already happening right in front of us because of the pandemic. 
more and more people seem i mean when i say more and more it's still very anecdotal not database there are some data available more and more people seem to be keen on moving to wherever they want instead of trying to move in closer to the place of work because the place of work has just evaporated in the last one and a half two years there is no place of work. wherever you work from that's your place of work which is quite interesting that way and because of this more people are also being slightly more elastic about this full time occupation thing i need to be an employee for 9 to 6 with this company there are gigs available i mean i mean there were gigs available all the time but now it's getting slightly more pronounced that you can be a part time freelancer consultant all those things are gaining slightly more traction not me- mega traction slightly more i mean maybe in the tech side it's more pronounced because there were always been platforms like top coder where you can code for some time get some money and then chill out and then you can do that i mean if you can afford to do that you can do that not many people can but there are options like that and because of that if you're on your own you are on your own company i mean you are just your own one man company and people need to choose you or not choose you and people choose you based on the footprint that you leave so you need to be more conscious about the kind of footprint that you leave even here i have heard a lot of cxo say but kartik i generally want to keep a low profile you never know what i would say online that might hurt that person or annoy that person or antagonize this company i don't want to say all that i just want to give i just tell them saying that of course you can keep a low profile but you need a direction within what kind of profile you are building i tend to give this i mean like this example very often it's almost like you live in a house it's got 100 windows you just need to select five windows for the world to see who you are you don't open all 100 windows because that would mean 24 bar 7 live streaming of your life you're not doing that it's still you you are living your life but you're just opening five windows to your home so that the world will form an opinion based on just those five windows alone these are based on your own personality you can't fake it you can't go to a room and fake that this is not you because it will come through i mean people will see through that fakery at some point so just pick those five windows and do the best within those windows and even here people ask me saying when you say do the best are you saying i fake it it's not again faking it's almost like you're on a stage when you're on a stage you tend to throw your voice because you have an audience in front and you are very aware that the light is on you and then you stand direct and you give a pose it's not you the regular person right next to your wife or your spouse it's performance it's performance but it's actually performance within your own personality for a specific reason saying i've got an audience to attend i mean it's not a scripted performance it is just an amplification of your own personality but it's done for a very time bound period i am on twitter i amplify my personality and then i go back home and then be myself with my daughter both are same but both are a performance and you're doing it for the sake of this so that's largely the construct ideally I think I had a fantastic session with you. I think I learned so much about the way you sort of look at different social media channels and you know sort of differences now. I think you know since 2007 when you started in actually a, sort of a digital role back then which was a pretty new thing to sort of coming in 2015 and then now venturing into the whole personal branding space. So before we end for anybody who's trying to create their own personal brand apart from getting in touch with you what are those two or three things that they should remember which sort of which would help them sort of really amplify you know their brand on social media what are those three things that you would advise yeah the most important and the first thing is sit and try to define your brand just look at it from outside and not inside out most people make this mistake saying uh, i am this i have this to offer this is my history this is my career profile and these are my experiences i will talk about them that is only one part of the story the second part of the story is 
what would people see you as or what would you want people to see you as you need to categorize that and have a definition it's literally like trying to pick up a phone and then say what are the five highlights of this phone is the screen good is the size good enough is the camera good you're trying to write it like a product manager you become your own product manager that's number one and then try to list saying here are the five contours of my personal brand i want people to know me as this 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 and then mix both professional and personal interests. Not just professional, then you would look like a brand brochure. Just professional and personal interest. Maybe one or two personal interests and more of professional interest. That's the first one. That's the step one. Try to define. The next is have a content calendar in your head. Because if you are not consistent, your audience won't be consistent either. You need to be consistent. Almost like you have a kind of a rigor in your everyday life saying, on a week, I want to share two interesting posts. I would do enough research around them. When I say research, it's not to write a thesis. It's just to write a tweet, literally 240 characters. But I need to sound intelligent within the contours of the five or six definition that I have. First, I need to look at saying, does it fit into the definition? If it doesn't, why am I even wasting my time? Why am I wasting that imaginary audience of 200's time? Let me just go back to the drawing board. So you read more. Only when you read more and expand your own consumption process, you would actually share more useful and interesting things. First, useful to you and then useful to audience. That's the second one. That's the second one, basically. Third, look at platforms more keenly because most people don't think about what Twitter does, how Facebook works, how Instagram works. People have made those mistakes. For instance, I, I use a very famous example from Deepika Padukone very often. She posted the exact same content. It was a text block and a video on all platforms, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. On Twitter and Facebook, people see the text first and then the video next. On Instagram, it's completely inverted. People see the video first and then text next, basically. So when she put it on Twitter and in, I mean Twitter and Facebook, there was a lot of outrage over it because people didn't even see the video because the video had more context. On Instagram, there was no outrage at all because the video was very self-explanatory and then people saw the context again. So you need to look at those nuances and then look at that basically and then have a kind of a metric in your head saying, okay, I have researched for so long and I put this on Twitter and LinkedIn. I want to see how it has worked. When I say work, you need to define the work. Do you look at the impressions? Do you look at likes? Do you look at comments? You can't game them because once you get, I mean, once you start experiencing a lot of likes for one piece of content, you would tend to do the same thing again and again. Okay, let me put more of this because it seems, but that would probably just pigeonhole you into that zone alone. You won't broad base. So there are some content which won't work at all in terms of number of likes and number of comments, but it is important to set your brand towards that. There were few people, in fact, the, the most famous, I mean, more not famous, most personally relevant example I can give you is one of the clients, CXOs, she came to me for a workshop for our company's CXOs. And then at the end of the workshop, she said, do you know how I discovered you that you do these workshops? And when she, I said, I didn't know. She said, my 15-year-old my daughter follows you on Instagram. And she said, this guy writes a lot about personal branding for CXOs. Mom, you should work with him. I had no clue it even works like this completely. So that's how it works, basically. <laughs> I think those are those are very, very practical tips. And I'm sure I think you know, our audience would, would take away a lot from this conversation. Thank you, Karthik, for spending these uh, 30 to 40 minutes with us and, you know, sort of sharing these beautiful nuggets. Stay safe and stay well. And I think we will definitely be in touch. Thank you for doing this. Absolutely. That was great. It was a very good session. And you stay safe too in Singapore. I have got the first jab. Uh, oh. if, if, like if you're actually listening to it, please go and get vaccinated as soon as possible. 
definitely everyone should thank you karthik thank you bye bye you've been listening to recast with me saurabh sardana if you like what you heard subscribe to our show on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you listen don't forget to leave a review and rating on your favorite episode also if you want to chat with me connect with me on linkedin or twitter